Well, that's quite an interview about uh, the, the significant damage that was done to you, to dentist, American Superconductor, through what appears to be something that continues in China on all a lot of American companies. Um, it it was refreshing, I know, several a couple three years ago when American Superconductor I saw the uh, civil case that was filed on behalf of American Superconductor in China. Um, I'd like you to, if you could, Dan, talk to us a little bit about that, but then most recently the Department of Justice has filed in the state of Wisconsin um, a similar lawsuit, but it was for criminal damages. Mm -hmm. And to help understand the difference of the two... Sure, sure. And well, why don't I go and just do a little bit of the recap of the timetable, because uh, we're in the late days uh, here of March. Um, we're about to celebrate, if you want to use the word celebrate, the fifth anniversary of the beginning of all of this. So uh, if you go back five years ago, um, I literally was over in China in these weeks at the end of March trying to figure out why are they not going to take product? What does it mean? And, and product meaning how much are we talking about? So they turned away um, about 60 to 70 million of goods that we had manufactured. They were contractually obligated to, uh, to take. Um, and the terms were, you know, they take title when it passes to their factory. We delivered them to the factory, and they denied them and said, "Well, we don't, we don't need them." And the re rationale they were giving us at that time was they had an inventory problem. The market was starting to slow down. They had a lot of inventory of our parts, and they would get back to us when uh, they would they would need more. At the same time, they had uh, underpaid us, so they were paying in part, not in full, a number of invoices. So one of the lessons we learned is. Uh, the, the challenges of being on open credit with certain economies, um, to try to speak uh, positively about it. Um, so you, you see as we go into some of these other markets, everything's done without open credit, meaning I don't have 30-day or 90-day terms to pay. You have to pay in advance. So um, they had uh, underpaid us to the tune of another, say, 60, almost $70 million that they had owed us at that point in time. So we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we get paid the money that we're owed? How do we, t how do we get the goods that we've already made in their hands and get paid for those? And then what's going to be their demand going forward? If things are slowing down, fine, we can go back and explain um, to our market and our shareholders, hey, this is, you know, our partner wants to work with us um, and figure out how to, how to continue the relationship. And that's what we were led to believe. So as we come out in April, we make the announcement that uh, this uh, shipment's not going to happen. And the stock, you know, basically gets cut in half in a day, and then over the next three months it gets cut in half again as we start to learn the linkage between them courting this employee of ours and seeing what they could get, obtain steal from from him or through him, versus continuing to to work with us. So we went through a period there of a couple months where we we're trying to negotiate with them, figure out how we move forward. We then learn of the theft. Our uh, tenor obviously changes. At that same time, I'm named CEO, um, and I go from what was a company that was hoping to be a billion dollar in revenue and multi-billion market cap, to now we have to cut and fix all this um, very, very quickly. So as we go into the summer months, we start to learn more and more about really what happened, what they were after. We start to work with the U.S. government. We start to work with um, 
police and, and uh, legal authorities in Austria. We got uh, our employee uh, picked up. He was tried, convicted, jailed. This is uh, very this is done, yeah. Um, so, you know, that was a very heady time in the company's history. We're trying to react, we're trying to understand, we're trying to put forth, well, how do we uh, deal with a new strategy? I know I remember when I, I learned of this, I was actually in Russia trying to court new business with, uh, with Russians um, to do things with their grid and with wind and all that. Maybe there's still an opportunity there at some point, but um, it was uh, shocking, jarring, alarming. Uh, to, to say the least. So we, we actually work with the federal government and we get um, letters, missives sent from the U.S. government to the Chinese government basically saying, you don't want to fight us on this. This company's going to press charges. They're going to file suit. This is going to become a big deal. Do you really want to do that? We're happy to facilitate you know, a bilateral talk to to not have this escalate. This was our government was our to government. their government. Yeah, on behalf of us and of me to, to get them to say, let's fix this now. So a lot of times I get asked questions in the media, you know, well, this, why didn't that happen? Well, it did. It just, the Chinese didn't respond to it. So as we get into the late days in August, early September, we filed suit um, against the Chinese. And that's where we have basically these two trains in China. One. Uh, is uh, commercial arbitration on the commercial contracts. So we had in place nearly $800 million of go-forward contracts for the, the components that we've been talking about. Um, and, uh, and that's a lot of money to, to any company, right? Yeah, I think to anybody in the world. That's, uh, although I do like that $8.5 million order with the names. <laughs> because it's a start to something that, that, that's going to get big. I can't help to be optimistic. Even when we talk about China, and I had this challenge with 60 Minutes, I just get optimistic about where we're headed because we've, we've spent the past you know, four, four and a half years retooling the company, repurposing the technology and new products that the market's starting to accept, and we have big contracts now that, you know, part I have the liberty now to really talk about what we went through because we've not only been able to save the business, but we're starting to see growth and, and, and prosperity in the business. Um, so back to the, the case part, we file uh, commercial arbitration in China. A lot of times people ask me, well, why China? Um, the rules were set up that we had to have a Chinese entity to make these parts to deal with the local contact rules. Seventy percent of the wind turbine had to be made in China. Um, so we were able to build a competitive advantage by being able to go to China we weren't taking jobs out of America or out of Europe and uh, transporting to China. We were creating new jobs in China, which then needed more support jobs in Europe and America. So we actually created jobs, probably about uh, uh, you know, 400, 500 jobs in the West to support this emerging business um, that we had with the, with the Chinese. I think that's important when we get to the politics of all this, that you know, we're unique in a couple ways. We're abused to the point where the theft actually crosses a clear line to crime, right? Going and trying to steal software code, going trying to coerce uh, an employee to literally steal, not to copy or reverse engineer, but to literally steal. That's new on the industrial side, right? We've seen the guy coming out of a Department of Defense installation with a hard drive where they're stealing military secrets 
but in our case, we're really the first one where it's industrial secrets that they're that they're trying to steal. Um, so we then had to also put cases in China for the value of the intellectual property. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a series of cases, three cases there, where the principal one is, uh, I think, $452, $453 million. And what we're doing there is we're ascribing what we think is the value of the IP that was uh, stolen, released. You know. So there's the commercial value in the product form, and then there's the kind of core value of what the software itself and the code means. Um, so you know, all in, it's one point two billion dollars worth of. So that's where that, that, that number came from. That's where that's okay. the sum of both of those. Um, so you know, those uh, cases have moved along in the beginning days, weeks, months, years. Um, we were losing. So each case, we would lose. Um, uh, initially, the, they weren't arguing on the merits of the case at all. It was the, the first question was should all of this be put into one commercial arbitration case? Um, and that probably took about two years to finally go to the Supreme Court in China and get a decision to say, no, there should be a separate and distinct value placed on the IP. This should be uh, in, the, in the right court, in the civil court. Um, what our, our former partner was basically advocating is if, if they were dealing with Microsoft, by analogy, um, they had bought a lot of copies of Microsoft Windows shouldn't they get the source code for free? Like, mm -hmm. Doesn't that come along with it? Mm -hmm. And the West, we look at that as abhorrent. I mean, so much of our IP and our innovation um, comes from investment and innovation in intellectual property that it, it is the value that are in a lot of Western companies, you know, specifically ours. I mean, that's where, where we got the valuations that we once did was in the value of the inherent IP. So we wanted to make sure that that would get, uh, would get heard as well. These have all moved. At the end of the day, when it goes to the Supreme Court, we tend to get it uh, in our favor. Uh, we took the larger case and we transferred it over uh, to a specific intellectual property court. Um, that court was not available, uh, didn't exist when we filed initial suit. But during this, we've moved it over and we've seen progress in that court as well. So um, it's really up to the Chinese government how fast they want this to move because it's a Chinese uh, issue. We take issue not only just with sign elements. So um, the end user are all power companies that are owned and controlled by the government of China. Um, the end users, so if you look at the whole fleet of wind turbines, I think at one point it was about a fifth of all of the install base in China was using our stolen software. So the Chinese government is, is using, they're benefiting from the theft, right? right? Okay. So it doesn't stop with sign it goes directly to the government. and. Part of the 60 minutes and part of kind of how long this has been, it's clear that this has been directed, driven, and ultimately is going to be resolved by the government in China, not necessarily just the company. Right. Um, so that brings us to the Department of U.S. Department of Justice complaint. Um, so this was a couple summers ago. Um, on the piece you saw, kind of at the end, kind of right. the kicker, the kick in the pants is, and then we start importing the stolen technology back in the U.S into our main, we operate in Wisconsin, but our main headquarters is in Massachusetts.